I always say if you want to generate a large income, significant income quickly, start a roofing business. You know, I had some time to think about it. Um, I'm a very competitive guy. And probably the biggest thing for me was there was a guy on YouTube saying something doesn't work that I've watched work my entire life. At Conklin, we have a 50-year history of installing that system. And there's roofs all over the country that we could go walk and inspect and prove that it does work. But I, there again, a lot of coatings contractors coat ponding water areas, and I will go on the air to say that that does not work. Today we have a very special episode for you. For the past two weeks, Conklin brand probably have been mentioned the most in comments and on our channel in general after we traveled to Nashville, Tennessee, visiting Eframe. So we did controversial piece of content about Conklin business model. Today I have Warren, who you already remember from previous videos. Warren, thank you so much for making the time to, to make this piece of content today. Well, thank you for having me here. It's great to be here in Minneapolis <clears throat> with you. Absolutely. So let's start with your story with Conklin, how long you've been with them, how did you start, and what do you do right now? Sure. So, uh, yes, like I said, my name is Warren, and I've been involved with Conklin actually my whole life, which I'll share a little bit about that. So back in the late 80s, uh, my uncle was introduced to the Conklin company, never really did much with it, but knew about it, and some of my dad... Uh, my dad's brothers, which my uncle would have been one of those, looked into some of the products and they were doing residential roofing at the time. They weren't just selling the projects, they were you know, actually putting the shingles on as well. Um, and so my dad kept driving by this building, a uh, commercial building, and he thought to himself, when they could use a coating, it was an old metal rusty roof. And one day, I believe it was 1993 or 1994, he decided to stop in and introduce himself and offer a solution. Long story short, uh, it was 500 squares and he sold it. Uh, he sold that project. So that was our introduction to Conklin Roofing. And then, you know, at uh, 13 years old, I weighed 180 pounds. And so I was, a, I was a big boy. And my dad said it made me look older, so he'd let me go out on projects younger than most of the my brothers. There was six of us boys. Most, most of us couldn't get on the commercial projects till we were 18. And so I'd say by the time I was 14, 15, I was working full-time uh, in the summers whenever I wasn't in school on the projects. And then about nine years ago, I started my own business, uh, primarily in roof coatings with the Conklin Company. And so that was my introduction. And today I own a company called Seamless Roofs, which you've been out to see. Uh, thank you for doing that. So. Absolutely. Uh, your last name is Yudzi. <clears throat> Ever since I published a video from Nashville, uh, with a little bit of critique of Conklin, I've seen so many people with the last name Yudzi. How many Yudzis are in the uh, Conklin business now? Well, <laughs> there's very few Yudzis, actually. That's a very, very rare name. It's a Swiss name. Uh, but like, like I said, I have six brothers. My dad had six brothers. And I don't know how many brothers my grandpa had, but most of them are in construction, and a lot of them are involved with the Conklin company. I will say that Yudzis love controversial topics. <laughs> Uh, you probably picked up on that. Uh, they love to go back and forth on social media. Some of that is good. Some controversy can be good. Some is not good. Uh, sometimes it can get ugly. But for the you know, to have good discussion, I think I think it is healthy for the roofing industry to talk about some of these things. And so that's probably why you saw that uh, as of late. So, how does someone become Conklin uh, contractor? What's the process? How do you sign up? And I want to do transition slowly to most controversial topic today is a business model mm -hmm. of Conklin. I guess it kind of tubs down, but you explain how do you become a contractor? 
So the correct way is you find a, somebody who's already having success with the products and they would sponsor you into the business. What that typically means is you fill out an application, you go to the trainings, and they certify you to install the products. Very, very simple process. But you do have to find somebody who's already a distributor or an installer to sponsor you into the business. So that'd be step one. What, what if you just go to the website and submit the form application or call them, you know, I guess corporate, mm -hmm. like, hey, I want to install it. What would they do if you do that? They will refer you to the, the closest reputable contractor. So they'll look at their database, see who's the closest, and they'll refer you to the closest reputable one. I see. So Conklin themselves don't train, don't teach, don't enroll. So, it has so they all the training they do is is in like in a classroom type setting. So they do a lot of classroom type setting. They have some hands-on training, but they lean heavily on experienced contractors properly training new contractors how to install the product. So they have specs, they have data sheets that you need to follow, uh, but they they lean heavily on contractors who are having success training the new contractor. Why do you think is that? Why because most manufacturers train you know, firsthand, like corporation trains new people. Mm -hmm. Why Conklin have decided to pass that responsibility to contractors to train other contractors? So way back, I, I might not, I might butcher a few of the dates, but back in the 50s and 60s, the Conklin family hired on some new salespeople who had come from a product line called uh, Best Line Soaps, which was a direct sales modeled company. And these guys came on board and they transitioned the company to a direct sales type of company where th that's how it works, a multi-level marketing structure where a distributor introduces other distributors to the products. I would say that was probably the biggest reason originally. Um, today, I think it's actually a missing piece in the roofing industry is apprenticeship or like where you go work alongside another contractor when you're learning a new product. Um, I think it is very important when it's used correctly. Now, if you're just onboarding new contractors and not training them correctly, I think it can be a big pitfall uh, because they're coming on board, but they're not getting the correct training. What happens? Let's say, you know, I get enrolled by you, and then I go do a few projects, and then I fail. But I also enroll a few people under me, and I train them. And let's say if I'm doing this wrong and I teach them wrong, who is responsible for that? And if something happens to me, how does it eliminate? I guess, well, the multi-level model, there's middle people, middle, like there's chains, right? Mm -hmm. So how many chains it's going on? Like 20, 30, 40, is there end there with? So like, typically it would be <clears> like <throat> the next three people in line would ultimately be responsible for that person's success, the new person's success. So we have three levels of managers who are responsible to train on different parts of that. And so if there was an issue, the company definitely gets involved and takes responsibility. But ultimately, um, there's different ways of doing it. If they buy products and install them incorrectly and don't apply for a warranty, um, there's nothing a manufacturer can do about that, just like GAF couldn't about a shingle. If, if the guy's putting it on backwards, um, obviously it wasn't trained correctly. But if you apply for a warranty and, and on every project, you have to apply for a warranty. And if you do that, they will stand 100% behind their products and the work. I have heard from some people, because 
people try to recruit me into Conklin. And I say, no. And it's not like you or someone from Conklin. It's actually other influencers. Like, Dimitri, you're going to kill it in Conklin because I have an audience. Mm -hmm. So people, not going to name names, but people who looked at the model, went to the training, tried to sell it to me, and they told me, and you tell me if it's true or not, that some people way, make way more money because they're in the middle than doing it themselves. You have your company. Would you say the people who've done it for a long time make more money in training others, like from their cut, from people they sold to versus their business? So long term, I think there's just as much financial opportunity in sponsoring and training other people. But I always say if you want to generate a large income, significant income quickly, start a roofing business. Go sell a couple projects, install them. If you're willing to invest a lot of time and find quality people, uh, there is significant income opportunity. But I would say overall, there's more success. Like everybody who tries to build a roofing business, there's more success in that than people who try to go out and sponsor and train people. But yes, there's some people with significant success because they learned, they made all the mistakes, and they're really good at onboarding and training new people how to do the business. Why do... Conklin guys fail because I know there's do you know your failure rate at all like out of all the applicants out of all the people who do try it who didn't it doesn't work out like we know the failure rate in the roofing industry is it higher similar or less um I would say it's similar some of it is over promise like people say hey it's really easy just come in you'll make a ton of money and I think that's sometimes the to the fault of the person sponsoring the new contractor, they're not preparing them. Like, hey, it's going to be super hard. It's still a real business. Just because there's good money in coatings doesn't mean there's no competition or that you don't have to market. Um, so, and then other times people just don't want to follow the plan. And, you know, coatings is very, it's a niche. And so you have to follow a plan. Uh, there's a proven method that works. So I would say sometimes the contractor's stubborn to change their ways. And so they're not successful. Um, but I would say we, I would say, we have a lot of guys who come to Conklin who've never ran a business. And so, of course, their failure rate is fairly high because they quit. They don't have the stamina to keep going. They don't have the energy. They don't have the commitment. They just think they're going to make a bunch of money quickly. But when somebody comes to Conklin who has an existing business, they would have more success. I hope that makes sense. But it's the guys that come from a 9-to-5 job and think they're going to make a bunch of money. They have a high fail rate because they don't stick with it. Another uh, critique I've seen towards Conklin is you guys don't have territories like in most franchises. What's your take on it? Uh, how much complaints you have? Because I've, I've seen a lot of people who complain about it openly that, you know, pretty much anyone can become a competition. Like if you buy a Starbucks franchise, it's, you guarantee that they're not going to sell someone else like within a mile or whatever. With a Conklin... If you have 20 guys in town, two years from now, it could be 100, uh, 100 guys in town. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Why Conklin does not limit amount of installers? So there's other coatings manufacturers that have territories, and they actually do all the marketing and provide the leads. And so let's say you had the Minneapolis market or a portion of it. They would be generating all the leads for you. So obviously they have to have territories to decide who they give those leads to. But what if you're a roofing contractor an existing roofing contractor, and you just want to do five coatings leads, you know, you just want to do five coatings roofs a year. Well, now we give you the territory, but you don't actively work that territory. And so we take a portion of Minneapolis and you only do five projects. 
because it's your territory. Uh, I would say that's one big reason is this allows people to only like add a tool to their toolbox. So they're a shingle contractor who also offers coatings. They do five to 10 projects a year, but they're not a full-time coatings contractor. Um, but I, we've never had territories. Now, if the company does get a lead, they will give it to once again, like they get roofing leads, they'll give it to the closest reputable company um, that's in good standings with the Conklin company. What's the quality control look like? Um, do Conklin inspect their roofs? How does someone register warranties? Do you register warranties? I do some. Some we do in-house. I pretty much ask my customers. They ask about warranties. I say, hey, do you want an in-house warranty where Seamless Roofs provides it? Do you want a joint warranty where we cover the workmanship and they cover the material? Uh, enrolling in the warranties, it's very simple. You fill out a paper. Um, you provide some photos. Now, if it's a full manufacturer warranty where they stand behind the workmanship and the materials, they'll come out and do the inspection every time. How many people do that? Uh, quite a few people do like a couple of these a year where they do full manufacturer warranties. So let's say you have a school roof or you have a, an army base, uh, maybe a federal project. <laughs> Typically, those require a full manufacturer warranty. So I would say most Conklin contractors don't do that on every project, but there's a lot of them that do it on a few of them. Okay. Uh, is licensing ever required to install Conklin systems? Yes. So like Illinois, uh, I have a contractor I work with closely there, a young guy. Uh, he went through the Illinois Roofing School and got all his licensing. Some states qualified as like exterior painting or exterior restoration where you're not, you know, you can't do any tear offs, but you can restore. We, I know it. I knew it. <laughs> you are painters. Yeah. See? <laughs> and I'm okay with that. Sure. <laughs> I know you are. Well, <clears throat> now we're going to talk about controversial video with your friend, but I guess I know you wrote a poem and I, now I want to do that in a video content because people don't like to read. They don't like to read even a long social media post. Uh, one of the complaints or critiques from Ephraim that I heard is in 2020, 2021, um, when we have shortages, Conklin keep recruiting contractors, but they did not have enough supply. Mm -hmm. He's like, why you, you, you don't have materials even for myself, guy who's buying from you, but you go in and enroll in more guys when you have a supply problem. What's your answer to that? Well, in 2020, we've Conklin's had significant momentum, okay, significant momentum the last 10 years. Um, just for instance, they doubled in the last four to five years. Um, significant momentum, and I believe the leadership at Conklin made the choice to continue to onboard new contractors to keep the momentum going. The material shortage was just a hiccup. We always had materials. It was just a long lead time because we couldn't get the raw materials in fast enough. But we were always manufacturing and sending out product. Um, and I, I know that was a critique, but that only lasted for maybe six to ten months. And now we're back on track where you order products today, you're going to get them within three to four business days most times. Um, they don't guarantee that, but we're back on track. So I think that was just a bump in the road. And we source as many of our products as we can from America. And, and I think we could have sourced them across seas and got them quicker, but they stood to their quality control as carefully as they could. And that is why there was a, a lag there in the product. So I know there was contractors, and I feel bad for them, who weren't carrying that significant inventory. Um, just like any other shortage, if you didn't have an inventory, you had to wait. And that's really difficult when there's customers wanting to sign contracts. What other things that 
really struck the nerves with you because you were active. You messaged me, you made posts. So there's something else in the story that you really strongly disagree. What was that? You know, I had some time to think about it. Um, I'm a very competitive guy. And probably the biggest thing for me was there was a guy on YouTube saying something doesn't work that I've watched work my entire life. And I live in Wisconsin. I live in a harsh climate. There's three feet of snow, four inches of ice on roofs. You know how that on flat roofs, it's significant. And I've inspected roofs that are 20 years old that went through 20 Wisconsin winters. And and I think probably the biggest misconcep misconception is just the terms, the way that things are worded. When somebody says flat roofs, did they mean ponding water? And that's the big misconception, I think, because building owners have always called and told me, hey, I have a flat roof I want you to look at. When I get out there, the roof isn't flat. It just means it has like less than 112 pitch on it. So it's a low slope roof, but they don't call it that. The roofers call it low slope. So I think the biggest misconception was, okay, if a building owner goes online and puts in, does coatings work on flat roof, that video shows up and they're going to say, oh, expert says it does not work. So I think the biggest misconception was the wording of low slope, flat roofs, ponding water. Um, and then, you know, he said nine times out of 10, it doesn't cure out. And that, that was a really frustrating statement for me because, once again, I live in a climate where it doesn't get very warm. Um, we have heavy dew, and we haven't had problems with that. But he actually made a comment in a future, another video you put out last week, I believe, where he said nine times out of 10, it's an application error. And I think in coatings, much like EPDM, PVC, TPO, other commercial roofing uh, situations where there's failure, it's an application error. And so I think it's not right to point a finger at, let's say, acrylic roof coatings if the applicator either wasn't trained correctly or didn't follow the specs or applied in inclement weather when it was going to rain or there was dew. Um, I don't know Ephraim's whole story, and I'm not sure exactly what happened, um, but the way he made the statements, I felt like uh, he was really against any acrylic roof coatings on any low slope or flat roofs. And I have 10 projects right now under contract that I'm going to do that on. And so when an expert says that this isn't going to work, it makes me look like a fool when I have contracts with these applications. And so at Conklin, we have a 50-year history of installing that system. And there's roofs all over the country that we could go walk and inspect and prove that it does work. But I, there again, a lot of coatings contractors coat ponding water areas, and I will go on the air to say that that does not work. And I think that was the point. Uh, but I think to Ephraim credit is he loves it on the metal roofs. He swears by mm -hmm. it. He loves the product. Mm -hmm. He's going to keep doing it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think he even says openly that it works better than other products he uses in coatings. But overall, um, I think the key words there is a ponding water, mm -hmm. which is, to be frank with you, almost any roof, like even if it's EPDM or like we should not have ponding water. Unfortunately, and let's talk about how many business owners are willing to invest in re-slope? Like, should right. we walk away from those jobs? What do you do? If, if I'm a business owner and I have punding water and, you know, it's expensive to fix that because now you have to reframe, mm -hmm. restructure, mm -hmm. add insulation, whatever, <clears throat> what do you do if I don't have a budget for it? So that's something like growing up, uh, you know, we learn good things from our parents. We learn things that we don't want to copy, right? And so my dad often would just coat those areas anyways and just give less of a warranty. And I don't like doing that because now there's an investment and there's a fight in five years, you have a problem. 
And I got to go on a lot of my dad's old roofs and see what worked and what didn't. And so we often, especially up north here, there's so much weight on the roof. We encourage the building owner to save up and to put a slope on it. But we have some temporary fixes. I actually kind of made a comment about on Facebook the other day. We have a product that's self-leveling that goes in those ponds. It's a newer product. Uh, I'm very excited to see how we can utilize it, but it's only for like small ponds. If you have a big pond, uh, we're going to do a tear off and put a slope on that roof. Now there might be products out there that say, "Well, we can it'll hold up under underwater," but it's against national building code. Flex seal. Yeah, flex seal. Yeah, exactly. What do you think about flex seal? By the way? I think flex seal is actually one of those great tools, like duct tape. It does fix it temporarily. But over two or three years, like I see old flex seal on roofs all the time and it's all cracked up and peeling off. But I see flex seal that's six months old that works great. And so I think it's a tool that you can use to get by. It buys you just a little bit of time. Love it. Uh, any last comments in response to Ephraim video and the whole controversy? So I would say there was two sides. Ephraim messaged me privately very respectfully, and, and Ephraim is who he is. You know, I, I don't have any hard feelings against Ephraim at all. I was glad that. Uh, you were willing to to let me respond. And I would say to the rest of the social media world, it's pointless to sit there and argue about these. Put out something positive that you do believe in it. Put out your own testimony and let the consumer decide what's factual and what isn't. Because it's really Ephraim's word against my word, right? And what I say. And so I I did make a comment because I felt very strongly about it. I felt like I needed to. But at the same time, I feel like making nasty comments on Facebook is completely pointless. And I didn't feel like Ephraim was being nasty. I felt like he was wrong, but I didn't feel like he was nasty. And I didn't feel like he was targeting one individual when he was talking. He just was sharing his experiences with you and was saying, I don't believe this works, and it doesn't work. Um, so I, I, I love the roof coatings industry 100%, and when installed correctly, I think it brings a lot of value to the marketplace. Agreed. Guys, comment below when, where are you at at the issue. Who do you think is right, wrong? Uh, would you do it yourself? What would you do in a situation where a business owner is asking you to do the coating on a ponding water roof? Would you fix it? Would you um, do what um, <clears throat> Warren's dad did, offer lesser warranty? What would you do? Comment below. We read all our comments. I'll see you guys in the next video.